Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Now we've got to stay prepared. and So I purposed in my mind when I began to prepare for this morning that uh, I was going to talk about something positive and uplifting. David slaying the giant or Joshua walking around the walls of Jericho, but I don't know how to preach from my mind. I only know how to preach from my heart. So once again, I just want to talk to us this morning, and this is probably going to be another one of those hang in there messages, but just just hang in there with me. And if you'll help me uh, with the Lord's help, uh, he'll speak to us this morning. We're going to be reading from the book of Second Kings, chapter six. Um, tell you what, turn to your neighbor and tell him something good God's done for you this week, and you can be seated. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Book of Second Kings, chapter 6, verse 8. If you have that in your Bible, say amen. amen. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for this, this king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent hither he thither horses and chariots and a great host and came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God, now this is Gehazi that the scripture is referring to, when he, when he rises early and he goes out, and behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Alas, my master, how shall we do? 
Now picture this with me in your mind, if you will. They go to bed the night before and all is reasonably well. There's no significant danger, no major chaos. There's, there's no trouble in their life. As they lay down, everything in their world is okay. And he wakes up in the morning and he goes out and he sees this army. And I want you to keep in mind, if we were to back up in chapter 3, we find the children of Israel dealing with the the Moabites now. But you've got to understand, you and I have to understand this morning, that the translator of the King James spoke the English language a little bit different than I did growing up in Hatch Bend. He goes out and he says, Alas, which is used to express unhappiness, concern. Alas, my master, what shall we do? And I've played this scene over and over in my mind, but I I believe this morning if Gehazi was marching up and down Cephas Liston Road here and on either side was the armies surrounded about him, when he went back in to Elisha, he would have said, oh no, not again. And I'm going to preach to us this morning from that subject of, oh, no, not again. And I, I feel direction in the Holy Ghost this morning, and I want you to please take this in the spirit that I say it in, but I've had to resist the temptation all week long to second-guess God. And I'm, I say this very humbly, but I am beginning to gain a little bit of confidence, and I'm somewhat comfortable in preaching what God gives me. And you say, well, you're supposed to preach what God gives you. that That's very true, but if any minister will be honest, and I hope he would be, there's times that God unctions you to say things. You may preach the topic and you may preach the verse, but there's things that God gives you that you tend to hold back on. You know, and I say this respectfully, it's a whole lot easier preaching to people you don't know. It's easy to walk into to the prison up there and preach to 150 men that I don't have to live with. I'm going home. But I have to live with all you, and sometimes there's a reservation not to say some of the things that that God wants you to say. So I want you to help me this morning. Will you help me? And I want to move quickly as I can without... Amen. I want to move as quickly as I can this morning without impugning the integrity of the Word of God. But in life, when you're living for God, there are seasons. Even if you're not living for God, there are seasons in our lives that we go through. They are physical seasons. They are emotional seasons. There are spiritual seasons. There are financial seasons. There are familiar seasons that we constantly find ourselves dealing with. But in the process of, uh, of, especially in the process of living for God, there is a place in the spirit world where we go, a home, if you will, a, a address, if you will, that sometimes um, it's a little bit hard to deal with. And if you've just begun living for God this morning and you haven't been to this place I'm talking about, you just hang on because you, you're going to get there. And if you've lived for God for a long time and you're not there today, just just buckle up. Because I'm assure you, you're going back there again. And it's, it's simply this place, it's simply this home of, <laughs> oh no, not again. And when you get there, when we arrive at this place, it is the, one of the most critical points in our Christian life that we'll ever face. See, it's almost if Elisha and Gehazi went to bed the night in a world that was at peace, it was at 
harmony. It was in reasonably good order. And then they woke to the next morning to utter chaos. Every, everywhere they looked was perplexity, trouble, and difficulty. And sometimes in living for God, we experience things like this. Sometimes it's like I go to bed at night and everything's well and everything's good financially, spiritually, physically. And I wake up in the morning, it's like some enemy has come into my home and he's lifted my bed up and he set me in a place that I see that the, the carpet's not familiar. It's ragged and it's torn and the curtains, they, they don't look the same. Something's wrong. The ceiling and the walls are, are not clean and painted, but I see wet spots and cracks and stains and I'm in a place that is so eerie, uniquely unfamiliar. And, and it's in living for God, early in living for God and, and even now, I, I, I'll be transparent this morning, even even now I battle this. When I find myself in those, oh no, not again moments, I have to say, where where did I mess up? Where, where did I go wrong? What have I done? Did I miss God? What has happened? Why, why is this chaos, this perplexity transpiring in my life. Maybe I haven't prayed like I should. Maybe I haven't been as faithful as I should. What what could I have done different to avoid this? And more often times than not, these situations that we face in life, ladies and gentlemen, is just that. L-I-F-E. It's life. It's life that we're dealing with. Sometimes what can compound these problems is that we're, we're very seldom prepared for it. We seldom expect a a crisis to come into our life. And I do not say that as condemnation because you can't live life and you can't live for God on the edge all the time. You can't stay tensed up worrying about tomorrow and what tomorrow is going to bring. Now, Now, pressure is a part of life. And there's a difference between pressure and tension. And we have to deal with pressure. Matter of fact, I deal better with pressure. If I know I've got a timeline or a time constraint, I work better uh, under pressure. You you know, like on on a guitar, when you tune the strings, if it's just right, it makes a beautiful sound. But that same string, you can you can tune too tight, and it sounds horrible. And if you go too tight, it's going to break. And that's the way living for God is. We can't just live on the edge all the time. We sometimes live life with a backdrop of uncertainty. And if we were living in the Old Testament today, the rule of law would be what Solomon said in Proverbs 27. He says, we know not what a day shall bring forth. If we were living under the law of Moses today, we would bring our sins before the, before the priest and they would be rolled ahead for a year. But thank God we're now under grace We've been filled with the Holy Ghost. I've been baptized in His name and my sins are not just rolled away, but they are remitted. So why does James mirror the Scripture? James said in 4 and 14, now this is after the Holy Ghost. James said, for we know not what shall be tomorrow. What he says is the Holy Ghost, and and take this in the context I'm saying it in, the Holy Ghost ain't going to change life. It's going to give you the power to deal with life. If you've, if you've come, if you, if you come to the Lord redheaded and full of freckles, after you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're probably still going to be redheaded and full of freckles. No, no pun intended, Pastor. No pun intended. 
But it's when we come to those seasons in life. Job said, man that is born to woman is a few days full of trouble. So when we come to that place, that oh no, not again. When there's perplexity all around us, when nothing is right, and I can't even understand how I got here. We're trying to figure out where we messed up, where I missed God, where I went wrong, what am I doing here. It's times like this that I'm tempted. I believe we're all tempted to look for answers in the natural, to try to figure this out on our own. And when we do, we simply compound compound the problem. Jeremiah said, it is not for man to direct his steps. And I, I don't say this to hurt or offend Uh, If I do, I'm sorry, but I believe we overestimate ourselves sometimes in the spirit. And quite frankly, we're not as strong as we think we, we maybe are. Romans 8 said, if we live after the flesh, we're going to die. So we're at that season, this, (laughs) oh no, God, what, not again. And it's almost as if though we feel it's not so, but it's almost like, we're living on this edge and we, we're, if I slip, if I mess up, I'm going to lose out with God and, and I can't make another mistake. I can't do anything wrong because maybe God would turn his back on me. I, 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 can't, I can't mess up, but I, I've come this morning to tell somebody something that when we reach those points, when we get to that place where, oh no, not again, we cannot allow ourselves to make decisions on uncertainties. We've got to make a decision on what is certain and what is sure and what is everlasting. Regardless, stay with me now, regardless of the situation, uh, regardless of how uncertain things are, regardless of the questions that resonate in our spirit, when we are at those times, We've got to be sure that the decisions we made are based on the kingdom of God and the things that are certain and not uncertain. One of the things that are certain and for sure is when you come to these situations in life, these old no, not again situation, it does not matter how upside down your life is. It doesn't matter how complicated it is. It doesn't matter how painful, how discouraging, how upsetting, whatever it is, Please hear this this morning. It is not forever. Life is seasonal. Life has ups and downs. And even walking in the Holy Ghost, it's seasonal. There are times to build up, times to tear down, times to give, times to give, times to mourn, times to dance. It is not forever. Whatever we're going through, it won't last forever. And you can always look on the bright side. If nothing else, death will rescue you. You know, we, we may back up and pause at that, but I, I tell you, the devil has come along and convinced men and women of God that death, that, that death is our defeat. Paul said, Where, where's your sting? Where's your sting? The, the, the sting of death is being full of sin. If I, if, I, if I fix the sin problem, there ain't no sting to death. Death is victory. And we've got to remember that whatever it is that we're facing, it's not forever. Even on the longest day, the sun did eventually set. 
And this, this time that we're through, it will be over. The second thing that is certain, whatever you're going through, there will come a point in time when you're going to have to take this season of your life, whatever it is you're going through, however you reacted to it, you're going to have to take this before the Lord and be judged on it. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to go before him. Ecclesiastes said we're going to take every thought, we're going to take every action, before God. Understanding that, we must make sure that in life it's so important. Every moment matters. Every moment matters. It matters how you treat that cashier that was so rude to you. It, it, it matters at that red light when they was flashing obscenities at you. It matters how you reacted. Every moment in this life matters and we're going to be judged for it. Because it's appointed to man once to die and after that judgment. The third thing that is certain is there is nothing here that is abiding. There is no security in this life. Nothing is for sure. You can take your job, your home, your car, your toys, whatever whatever you may think that, that is everlasting in for sure, it, it, it's not going to last. You know, there was a time in America when the largest employer was the Overland Stage Company. And where are they at today? Nothing. Nothing is for sure. Nothing is for sure. Next to the Holy Ghost, the greatest thing that ever happened in my life is this beautiful lady sitting right here this morning. But should the Lord tarry one day, she's going to roll me down here in a pine box or I'm going to roll her down here. Nothing in this life is for certain. Paul told Timothy, we didn't come here with anything and we ain't leaving with nothing. There was two peasants, two peasants sitting beside a a street and a funeral procession was going through this rich king. And one peasant looked at the other and said, well, wonder how much he left. The other said, I reckon every dime. We ain't taking nothing. We ain't taking nothing with us. Peter says it's all going to be dissolved. What manner of person ought we be? One of the things that, and I'm guilty of this, but one of the things that sometimes is disturbing is we, we want to talk about the blessings of God. God blessed me with his pickup truck. He blessed me with his home. He gave me this new boat. He gave me this new, new car. The blessings of God are eternal. The blessings of God last forever. Things that we call blessings, and we've got to be careful. Things that we call blessings is just junk to God, and he's going to burn them all up one day. What are the blessings of God? What are the blessings of God is love, joy, peace in the Holy Ghost. The blessings of God, sister boy, is when I go to bed at night and I pull Jesus up around me like a warm cover and I wake up in the morning and it don't matter where I'm at as long as Jesus is with me. That will be the blessing in my life. There's real blessings. There's real blessings. The fourth thing that is certain is God is just. He's on our side. He's for us. James said, God is not tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man with evil. God's not trying to trip us up. He's not standing behind some wall waiting to jump out like a, like a booger man and scare us. He's for us. There's a chorus that said, all my tomorrows must pass before the throne so I can be sure of one thing before it gets to me. God knows about it.
And he promised me he would never leave me nor forsake me. And whatever's coming my way, he's going to see me through it. There is a transparent honesty in Jesus. He doesn't just deal with us according to some whimsy or some flimsy, but he's really real. And he's there. James 1 and 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Now the word that's translated variableness here comes from a Greek word parallax. So if I may insert that word right there, he said, he said there is no parallax in Jesus. Now I, I had to read this. I didn't know this. And I, and I read this and found it interesting. There are basically two kinds of cameras. There is a camera that's very expensive with an SLR, a single lens reflex. Some of you people that or camera enthusiasts may know this, which means when you're looking through a viewfinder, when you're looking through it, whatever you see on the other side is what's going to show up on the picture when it's printed. Most of us wouldn't have one of these because they're rather expensive, and we have a, a camera with a parallax viewfinder, or parallax viewfinder, which means the viewfinder is not looking at exactly what we see. In other words, when I'm looking... I see it, but it may not turn out. There's going to be some discrepancy. There's going to be some, some things that are not, not just right. Uh, let me see here. When we go on vacation, my wife likes to take a lot of pictures. And it's been insinuated that I am a picture hog. Because I seem to be in all the pictures. And that, that's not the case. The point in case is that when it's my turn to take the picture, I look and I see her and I mash the button, but then when the picture comes out, I've cut off an arm, I've cut her off at the knees, the top of her head is missing. And, and what I'm saying here this morning is that's a, that's a parallax view, but what James is saying is that with Jesus, there is no parallax. What you see is what you get. He's the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. He's good, he's God all the time. You don't have to second guess what he's doing. We... I think Sister Donna sings the song, Climbing Up on the Rough Side. And I've always thought, you know, why has the mountain got to be rough? Why has it got to be so hard, Sister Boy? But I think God knows. He said, Jerry, Jerry needs a, a big boulder he can put his foot on. He needs a vine he can grab hold to and pull himself up because I can't climb no smooth mountain. But with the help of the Lord, with him providing the way, we can make it. He's on our side. Pardon me for saying this, but there is a method to his madness. He knows what he's doing. Praise God. I, I, I get the fifth thing that is for certain. Hear me. Put down your phones. Write this down if you want to. The fifth thing that is for certain, ladies and gentlemen, quitting. Is not an option. Quitting is not an option. I, I, I get sometimes troubled when, and it's all right to testify about trials and troubles, but sometimes it's a little bit disturbing when you hear people give the spill of their trial and trouble, and at the very end they say, Oh, but I'm not quitting. Don't say that. That just alerts hell that it's lurking somewhere in the back of your mind. 
Don't, don't even entertain that thought. Job said, if iniquity be found in thy hand, put it far. Put it far from thee. Nobody, nobody is going to get to heaven and look around and say, oh my God, how'd I get here? You're going to get to heaven because you purposed it in your mind. You had a relationship. You was faithful to God. That's how we're going to make heaven. That's why Paul said, casting down imagination and everything that exalts itself against the kingdom of God and bringing into captivity every thought of the obedience of Christ. We got to serve notice to the devil in hell that when we find ourselves in them, oh no, not again, moments. You let the devil know my mind, my mind is not for sale. I will not quit. I will not give up. You know, I backslid in high school. And for many years, I blamed things for causing that. This done it, this done it. it that, that, that it has nothing to do with things when we walk away from God. Living for God is about a made-up mind. Living for God is about making your mind up that I'm going to do this and I will not quit. I'm going to push forward. God brought me back into this wonderful church. And I refuse to entertain the thought. Bad days? Oh, oh, honey, yes, bad days. But I refuse to entertain the thought that I would ever think of quitting. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. If the world is so good, why are we all here? Why are we all here right now? The world didn't have nothing for me then, and it ain't going to have nothing for me now. I'm committed to the kingdom. I'm committed to the kingdom. This word of God tells me in the beginning that that the earth was created by what, Brother Tim? The word, the spoken word. John said, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. Jesus went away in in, in Acts chapter 1 and he spoke something, Pastor. He says, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you some help. That was the Holy Ghost, but he spoke that into our life. So if that word is powerful enough to create the world, if that word is powerful enough to do everything that it's done throughout the ages, if the Holy Ghost is real, if God is real and I have the Holy Ghost inside of me, God can't be defeated, the Holy Ghost can't be defeated, and I can't be defeated. But I can't quit. I can't quit. I I said this a few weeks ago, and forgive me for being repetitive. But there are times in my life where I cannot beat the devil. But I've purposed in my mind that I will outlast him. He's not, he's not, he's not going to get me. Peter said, be sober and diligent for the devil your adversary walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know, there's some verses in the Bible that are just hard for me to swallow. Matthew 10 and 22, Hebrews 12 and 7, James 1 and 12, 1 Peter 19, all of them say, endure. Endure. There are some things, Brother Gibson, that we're just going to have to take. We're going to have to live with it. That's life. We're going to have to live with it and endure. How how many know that, that the devil is a liar? Then why so often do we listen to him? Why so often? I'm, I'm guilty. Why so often? Here, here's a... Why do we listen to the devil so often? There are, there are things that are 
for sure. There, there's many things that are for sure, but I, I've just give us five here today. It's not forever. We're going to come to judgment one day. No, nothing, nothing is abiding. God is just, and quitting is not an option. So when we come to those times of, oh no, not again, it depends on not what is uncertain. It depends on understanding the things that are certain. It depends on understanding the things that are certain. In 1 Kings 17, the Spirit of the Lord moves upon Elijah to prophesy a drought and a famine. He's under the umption of the Holy Ghost. God has spoke to him. Elijah, Elijah makes this, this prophecy and this ensuing drought and famine comes and he's in the will of God. You know, there, there, there was a time in my life, Brother Rayleigh, when I thought that if my prayer life was right, if my devotion was right, if I was doing what God asked of me, if, if everything was right and I was in the will of God, there would be no trouble in my life. But that, I don't have to tell you this morning, it didn't take me long to figure out that ain't true. Trouble comes our way. Look at, look at Elijah. He's in the perfect will of God. He prophesies under the Holy Ghost that this drought, this famine is, is coming. And when it, when it gets there, Sister Boyd, guess who's right smack dab in the middle of it, thirsty and hungry? Elijah. Says, oh, no. What am I going to do? God said, well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. I want you to go down to this brook. There's going to be some water. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to send some birds with some food. And this happens again and again and again. He gets up and it just keeps taking place. And ain't God good? And then he wakes up one morning and the brook's dry. Ain't no birds flocking in. Oh, no. Not again. God, what, what am I going to do? Well, I, I'm, God said, I'm glad you asked said, I want you to go down to this widow woman, Zarephath. And you're going to meet her there. Problem is, he didn't tell this woman. He goes down. She's picking up sticks and said, well, praise the Lord, what you doing? She said, well, I'm gathering some sticks, going to build a fire, got a little meal, a little oil, going to make a cake. Me and my boy's going to die. Just so we'll understand this morning, she said she had some meal in a barrel. And the word that's translated barrel is the same Hebrew word that's in the story of Gideon. It's a pitcher. So whatever she's got, Brother Gibson, it's not in some 55-gallon drum. She's holding it in her hand. She's got this little bit and this little bit, and she's fixing to make a cake for her and her boy, and they're going to die. Elijah said, okay, will you make me one first? We, we've got to remember when we're at these seasons of, oh, no, not again. We, we've got to look at the things that are certain. Look at, look at what's for real, not, not what's uncertain. What, so what is certain here? Let, let's deal with it. Let's look at it. What is certain for sure? If she eats the cake, 
she's going to die. If she don't eat the cake, she's going to die. So I say this morning, what did she have to lose? What have we got to lose? What is it that we, that we let stand in our way that prevents us from being that all God wants us to be when we could just leave it in the hands of God and depend on Him? You know something that I, I can't understand and I, I won't be careful here this morning. But people come into the church and they're baptized and they're filled with the Holy Ghost and God does great things in their life and in the coming weeks you see God moving. And I'm not talking about anybody, nobody here, nobody's ever been here. And then you see them on the street. You haven't seen them in church. You see them on the street. We've missed you. Where have you been? Something wrong? Oh, no, no. No, everybody out there is fine. Good people. Love the praise and worship. Every, everything is perfect out there. Well, we missed you. What's wrong? Where, where have you been? Well, last time we was there, you know, pastor got up on Sunday morning and he talked about the thou shalt nots in the Bible. And there's just some things, Brother Donnie, that we can't walk away from. We, we can't give up. I don't want to cross the line here, Pastor. So I'll stay close where you can grab me. Help me with this, please, because I don't understand it. What is it? What is it that I may not have to give up to make heaven that I'm not going to have to give up to make hell? What is it? It's all a matter of timing. I can give it up now and get on to glory or I can wait till later and burn in a, a pit of hell. It doesn't matter. Sometimes, sometimes it is easy for us to accept defeat because we see all our inadequacies. We see all our shortcomings. We see all of our failures. We see everything that's wrong in our life. David said, my sin, my iniquity, it's ever, it's ever before me. We are imperfect people. We do not measure up. Paul told us we've all sinned and come short. I love, I love the psalmist in, in 103. If you would put that up there for me, please, Jericho. He said in verse 10, He hath not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. That's me. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. That's me. And as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgression from us. I know we've all heard this. There's a beginning and an end on the globe to the north and the south pole. There's a start and a stop. But from the east to the west, you can just keep going round and round and round. God has removed it from us. He has taken it from us. And it's time for some of us to get over it and forget about it and move on through God. He understands us and he knows us. Paul said, understand this. There's no temptation 
taken to you such as common to man. I don't know what your dilemma is this morning, and I'm not talking. If you if you think that Jerry's got up here and talked about dealing with sin this morning, you've you've missed it. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about dealing with life. I don't know what it is, but I can tell you this. You are not the only one. I am not the only one to ever face it. Somebody else has traveled this road. And you know what they found? They found that God was faithful. They found out that it didn't last forever. They found out that nothing is abiding. They found out that he's a just God. And they found out that quitting is not an option. Musicians, I'm finding the runway here and I'm about to land. Naaman was a great man, but he was a leper. He comes to Elisha. Elisha gives him this formula. He said, you got to go dip seven times in Jordan. You all know the story, so I'll just hit the high points here. Naaman gets mad. That's the only way you can put it. He's mad. Man of God's told him what to do, and he's mad. You know, I, I got clean rivers where I come from, and you want me to climb down in this mud hole? Why do we, why do we sometimes always question God? You know, I want somebody in my life that will help me, that will tell me. I want somebody to come along. I, I, I don't want to embarrass him, but this man has authority in my life to say something to me when I'm out of line. Is, is that right? If I step out of the way, I'm counting on him to come and say, hey, Jerry. And if I get like Naaman and get mad, I, he, he knows he better grab me up and get me to this altar because I want to be right. The servant tells Naaman, what, what do you got to lose? Naaman didn't seem to think that this answer fit his dilemma. You know, from his standpoint, this didn't make no sense. He was ready to go back home a leper, and the solution was right there. So many times, the answer is here, and we go right back out the door without getting down here and getting what we need from God. Friend convinces Naaman to go dip and he's healed and you know the story. Things that work in the spirit world don't always make sense. In the corner, well, Jerry, you, you say this morning that quitting is not an option, but you don't understand what I'm going through. No, I don't. But he does. God does. So I ask you this morning, what have you got to lose? There have been many times in my life where I didn't see any way through the situation. I didn't understand why I was there. I couldn't see my way through it. But I made a commitment to God that I will not quit. I will die here dealing with this before I quit. I will not quit on God because God will never quit on me. Isaiah 3 and 10 
If you'll put that up there, Jericho, and if you'll just leave that there for me, please. It says, say ye to the righteous, that's us, that it shall be well with him, for they shall eat the fruit of their own doings. Well, how does that imply to us? There are people in this house this morning, Brother Boyd, Brother Rayleigh, Brother Gibson, you, 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 you. There are people here this morning that had have others come along and enjoy the fruits and the doings of your sacrifice. Understand me. Your fasting, your praying, your commitment, your sacrifice has sustained them and helped them get through this season of, <laughs> oh no, not again. And I've spent about 45 minutes to get to right here where I wanted to get to to tell somebody this. There is a day that you're facing that's dark, your mountain is high, your path is rugged, and you can't seem to find the way out. But I've come this morning with a word from the Lord to tell you that there is a time that you're going to be able to sustain yourself. He has not overlooked your commitment. He has not overlooked your sacrifice, everything that you've done, every mountain that you've climbed, every field that you've plowed through. God said he's going to sustain us. We will reap from our own fruit and our own doings, but we can't quit. Would you stand across this house this morning? Jesus said there, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. Quitting, quitting is not an option. When we get to that place, my God, I can't make it through this. What am I going to do? God said, I'm going to sustain you. All those times that you found yourself in that morning prayer room, that you've been faithful. All those times that you've been in the Word of God, they, they, was, they was not for naught. Because God, God sees us. He understands us. I'm going to obey the Holy Ghost this morning. And I understand completely that this is not a blanket message. Most of us in here is high on the mountain right now, I'm sure. But I don't want to wait till the end of service because I believe just like when the waters were troubled pastor there's a time and sometimes this altar is viewed as a place of failure I gotta come down here because I've made a mistake but you study the word of God they built altar after altar after altar to sacrifice to the Lord and to get strength from what God gave to them. I, I don't want to embarrass anyone this morning.
And I'm not trying to isolate anybody. And this is not a a blanket invitation. But if you're at a season in your life right now, I've, I've come today, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. I've come today to tell you that the Lord has not abandoned you. And if you'll come to this front right now, if you'll come to this front right now, God is going to open our eyes. Sometimes we're blinded. The situation is so strong and and it's so real. We we can't see. Job said, I, I looked all around. I couldn't see. But I'm telling you this morning, He's here. He's real. And He understands as they begin to sing and play. I'm making an invitation this morning. If if you need some strength from the Lord, if you need some help from the Lord, if if perhaps you're at one of those, oh no, oh no, God, not again. I'm telling you, don't wait for another time in the service. Don't, don't, Don't wait till the prayer service or the official altar call. Let's let God Let's let God move in us now. Let's let God work in us now. He's here to sustain. He said, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to reward you for your fruits and for your doings. He said, I'll be there. He said, I'll be there. He said, I'll be there. I'll never forsake you. I'll never forsake you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.